Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's your host, John Gabrus. It's me, your boy, the number one fuck boy. The number one fuck boy. The number one fuck boy. And we're back with another episode of the Fanshees. Fanman here. Joining me as always is Sean Conroy. Sean Conroy. Number one Conroy. <laughs> number one Conroy. And joining us. From the Banshee stunt team, Marcus Young, the stunt coordinator. Marcus, thank you so much for joining us. Yay, yay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit, dude, here. it's getting live in here. We're getting turnt, <laughs> if you will. Uh, Marcus is uh, the stunt coordinator for Banshee, as we discussed. We're also going to be talking about episode seven, all the drama that happened in that, all the action, all the sexual moments, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Not as many in this episode, no. but there's a couple that I want to talk about. Um, but before we get, let's get into a little bit about stunt coordinating, if you will. <laughs> what, that sounded so mouthy the way I said it, but <laughs> let's get a little bit into stunts, Marcus. We we were telling the Cinemax people, we're like, we love talking to the talent. It's nice to talk to all the actors and writers, but we want to, the thing we like a lot, the most about Banshee is the fighting and the action. It's, you know, it's on par with movies. And so that's what we like about the show is that we get to watch an hour long action movie every Friday night. So we were so pumped when we got the opportunity to talk to you. We have, of course, millions of questions, but maybe we should just start with classic, like, how does one get into stunts? Were you into TV first or into fighting slash pyrotechnics first? Like, what, what, what's your way in? Um, everyone kind of starts off from a athletic background. And mine was martial arts and, you know, being Asian, we get typecasted, you know. <laughs> being Martin, Asian, you're forced to take martial arts yeah, as a child. <laughs> or act like you know it. So, <laughs> so what, what martial arts were uh, were you trained in? Uh, you my base in? style was Shotokan, which is a Japanese style. And, uh, you know, it was a good foundation. And from there, I also competed and um, trained with a lot of different styles. So I got good opportunity to try uh, to train with a wide range of 
of different arts out from, there. From, so. from what age were you doing that? Uh, I think my dad said when I came out of the womb, I was already starting. But <laughs> <laughs> I dropped out of the womb in stance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Roundhouse kick. And Roundhouse <laughs> kick the nurse. She slapped me on the ass. <laughs> I came out with a fury. (laughs) I came out as a yellow belt. (laughs) From there, it was nowhere to go but up. Uh, And so so then you took a bunch of different... And then what what was the transition from competitive martial arts into television? um, Film was always something I loved and wanted to be in. And I got a chance to um, do a lot of low-budget, no-budget films. And uh, that was my way in, kind of working my... Paying my dues, you know, hitting the ground and... Um, yeah, we have web series now that is our version of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, com- the comedy version of that is being in all of your friends' web series or sketch videos. Absolutely. <laughs> so I paid my dues and, you know, probably some of the shows you guys grew up watching, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, VIP, Martial Law. Oh, Those are awesome. the shows that were kind of like the bread VIP, and butter. VIP, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so, know why in my head I thought of V.I. Warchowski, but I'm off, right? That's not the same <laughs> no, show. <laughs> no, it was uh, Pamela Anderson as a bodyguard. Oh, right. right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Of course, Conroy knows him. <laughs> the early 90s, you know. Uh, yeah, the, the popcorn TV series that kept everyone uh, employed. And so you were doing stunts on that show? And yeah. um, did you, how does, how does one, like, what's the entry level stunt stuff? Is it playing a double? Is it choreographing fights? Or, and he, uh, I'm sorry, let me dovetail that into another question. Are there stunt coordinators with different areas of expertise? Because I'd imagine if you know Kung Fu, it doesn't really help. fights. Play. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't Not really play. car scenes. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't help set up the flamethrower scene. Right. Yeah, so, so how does that work? Um, a lot of it is crossing over and, you know, <gasps> getting a chance to train and, you know, share each other's knowledge. Picking up stuff along the way. Exactly. So you might come in as, say, a car guy, but then train with some of the fight guys and build your experience up that way as well. So, oh, and um, so like maybe if you have a big car stunt on Banshee, you'll call a car guy will come in. You usually bring, bring in the a- right person in to do the job. Um, but then you also have a general idea of how to set it up because of your knowledge and your training with other people as well. So, um, you know, that's the neat thing about this business because you meet so many different people from different areas and you collaborate with each other and you just get better and stronger and, you know, and uh, share the wealth of knowledge, which is great. And do you find that the actors really, because as an actor and been on, like, if there's a stunt person, that's the only person I want to talk to. Is because I'm so curious about that world. Do you find that, like, a lot of these actors who we all think of ourselves as something more than we really are, are like, yeah, I hang out with these guys. You know, I'm working on my fucking uh, jujitsu with them or whatever. You know, it's, it's funny because I think we treat the actors with, you know, it's a job for them as well. So we try to give them their space and whatnot. Um there's some people that really gravitate to it. Like, uh, you know, Hoon was awesome. He, whenever he had time off, he'd be in the training facility, which we called the pit <laughs> in Pittsburgh. No, that's uh, awesome. It had no windows, just like there's one entrance in and one entrance out. I'm just picturing the wheel in, from Conan out. the Barbarian. Yeah, like yeah. People the, going the, in to train with that. Hoon just walking. <laughs> Hoon, is a, uh, Hoon is a Harvard-trained um, classical Shakespearean actor who also spent time in the pit training. Yeah. <laughs> He's a renaissance man. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of, like, Ivana would come in and train with us and, um, you know, just really gung-ho and they got they got the time off and... They would do their, you know, 
strength and conditioning with their their people and then they would come and train with us as well so every actor that we've had through on the show when we talk to them about their experience they always bring up getting to train on their days off and working he's like like hoon matt rouch ivana they all mentioned having like at their disposal a group just of access all the time yeah exactly they uh uh um, Rouch was telling us about training for the Burton Nola fight, which is like one of the best fights on Amazing. The, yeah, in, in the show's history. He was talking about training that and he's like, I just you know, you find out about it a couple of weeks in advance and you start hitting going into the pit and start working with the guys in your choreography, getting yourself in shape, learning the moves. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that you know, it's it's a unique thing because um most of the time you don't have the time with the actors, especially on a TV show. Um, but we had a team of guys with you know, expert um, knowledge of, you know, different fields that we brought together too, which anything from handling guns, because I noticed that from season one, we started to doing shootouts and people didn't really know how to use the guns and they weren't spending the time, you know, looking like they could understand how to carry a weapon. So we would take the time to do those things if they were in the scene, which I think adds something to it, whether we know it or not, it's there, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can, you can without saying, oh, that guy knows how to handle a gun, you, you just have a sense of that, that there's authenticity to it. Absolutely. And, you know, actors, they got so much going on, so much on their plate. So the more that they're prepared, they can actually be the character. They, they can the act instead of yeah. worrying about how they're holding the gun. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> less exactly. than like, less worried about like how to get the clip in and more right. concerned with the lines and delivering the emotion behind the lines or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not, it's hard enough for me to just memorize lines. Then oh, when I have ha- physical actions and things, <laughs> even if it's, it's a just fucking put, nightmare, <laughs> I can't even put the phone down <laughs> right. in the same spot right. for continuity purposes. No less punch a guy a hundred times. Can't and even open it. the door with the same hand twice <laughs> yeah. in a row. And that's the thing too. Is nobody, prepares you for like doing it over and over again right you know because you're going to shoot one angle then you shoot the next angle and then they're going to come up with another angle and you're doing it multiple times and you know the actors are spent and i give them a lot of credit you know you know ant stars you know from season one to you know season four he has action you know (laughs) non-stop yeah Yeah, so and it's usually him Taking a beating and then giving a little bit back. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Ant- Anthony gets the shit kicked out of him regularly. That yeah. was the... <laughs> I remember talking to Greg Utanis on the phone, and he goes, I want him to be relentless, you know, take a lick in and keep on ticking, basically. And, you know, he takes a hit and just... It really back. comes across on the show, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good moment. Let's transition to a little bit of talk. We'll keep coming back to stunt stuff. But let's talk a little bit about episode seven, which is the episode that air, aired this past Friday, based on when this is airing. Complicated to say in the room. This coming Friday, but also this past Friday. <laughs> this coming Friday for us. <laughs> this past Friday for the listeners. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, episode seven features a fight in. Finally, we're in the the demons' lair or whatever we're calling it. The Coven's basement hangout. Um, and we see uh, Hood take some serious blows. The guy is legit, like full Nelson, and decked in the face, and still comes on fighting against. Let's point out here the nude members of the Coven, <laughs> uh, co-ed guys and gals get. 
Um, I want to point out that Brock, that Matt Servito, has a great smash a woman's face against a nightstand in this scene or an end table. Yeah. He just grabs her by her hair and fucking decks her. And you don't feel sympathy for these for this for the women in this situation. Well, they're they're all part of a serial killer group. Like <laughs> yeah, group they, serial killers. They deserve to get their heads yeah. bounced off yeah. assorted furniture. Um you you actually can we talk a little bit about choreographing that fight? Because uh for those of you, this is a bummer to hear for because it's an audio podcast. But Marcus showed us a previs of the fight. You want to explain a little bit what previs and all? I think it makes sense. But yeah, previs basically is a roadmap of um, our ideas. Basically, taking the written words on the page and you know the ideas of the actors and the ideas of the writer, producer, and director, and massaging it all together and still giving a piece of you know my creative side or the team's creative side to make it a little bit different. Than so you have you a see. block of text basically that describes all the action that's going to take place in the scene and you have to figure out how to make that work. Correct. And sometimes, you know, because it's written by those idiot writers who don't totally <laughs> get it. You hear that Targum? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, you know, what's written on the page sounds good when you're writing it. And then when you physically have to come to putting it together, people's bodies don't move that way. Or yeah. when you have an automatic um, that's produced out of a computer, the body doesn't move that way. So our job is to bring it all together and actually make sense of it. And where people are in time and space and in the room, you know, all those things are important that sometimes we lose track when we're starting to put it on paper. So um, our job was to massage this all together and come up with a sequence and Probably the hardest part was trying to find stunt women that would actually do topless. Because at first they were telling us, okay, no worries. They're just going to be in bra and panties. Okay. So be up front when I make that call. <laughs> and then I got to make another call at the 11th hour. Oh, no, wait. This is Banshee. <laughs> They're going to be sorry, topless. All the, all the badass women that will be fist fighting will also need to be topless. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the, th the thing you showed us... I felt like was way more extensive than what ended up happening. Like you guys, you got all the stunt people together and figured out the choreography of this entire fight, but then it kind of changed once you guys were on set. Yeah. A lot of times we're limited to time mm -hmm. uh, being TV. Uh, we try to bring a, a feature quality to it. Um, so we try to create more uh, content than that actually is going to make, uh, make it on screen. Um, so we end up having to chop blocks out. So knowing that we're going in with a limited amount of time, um, we know the pieces that need to be pulled out. And directors and EPs could be like, you know, this is I actually like this part because I like this part a little more. Maybe we lose this thing that happens here to save time with because maybe we lose the pool ball. Yeah, would have been awesome. <laughs> There's uh, so like I know when you've been on like been on set for other things, it's like. Um, the director or the writer has the idea of like what this gag is going to look like. And then like the art department comes over and goes, this is the fake head we have when it's squeezed, the blood comes out the ears or whatever. It, it, do you take that previs? Which by the way, when we're saying previs in my head, I thought it would be like a 3d rendering of some guys being thrown around. This is like a fully shot short film shot, yeah. Yeah. and edited with live actors, with live actors, with some special effects, like some effects blood effects, blood yeah. shooting out and sound effects of just bones crunching, which right. is so awesome. But do you then bring that to whoever's directing the episode or the EPs or whatever, and you're like, how about how does this look, guys? Is this what you're imagining here? Yeah, it usually starts off with the production meeting, and we all sit 
with all the department heads and talk. So if we know that there's going to be an actual head that's going to explode, we put that into the whole process yeah. of everything. Um, so the major set pieces we try to build around those or the major points that the director is trying to... If you to, know that there's a throat that's going to get ripped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of times, a lot of things aren't written. And it, and I remember Tropper saying, hey, I should just write, see Marcus or the stunt team, you know, for the action, which was really uh, a unique experience because most TV and even features, everyone has their own take on something. So um, giving the creative freedom was a, a, a unique opportunity to try to do something special and memorable. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing about making uh, TV or movies is like if you have a great department head, it's just like trust that the production designer is going to figure out the best way this room looks. You know, right. maybe the director has some ideas and throws it out there. But like if you got a guy, if you the Banshee stunt team and fight choreography team clearly is um, good at their job. Like that's undeniable watching. Well, that the that show. goes back to what you were kind of saying before about learning from different stunt people is the whole business is so collaborative in, in, in some ways that that's a really enjoyable thing about it is when you have a good costume designer and a good art director and a good, you know, PA. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. And then the director knows that like the pressure's off on that. Like I, I know Marcus will pull this stunt off. Maybe I'll want to tweak some things or like, no, we need, you know, I want more shots of hood's face during, you know, or something like that. Maybe they have some feedback like that or right. Right. Uh, but that's, I mean, that that fight was great to watch in the previs. And this is stunt people in sweatpants and elbow pads being, and like, uh, not fully, you know, this, it's just broadly lit and all that. It's the set, but it's fucking, that was exciting to watch. <laughs> and it then it translates when you get to see people actually naked and actually getting their throats slit. Or <laughs> I think the... Uh... Banshee action team is going to put a feature out with all the previses put together. <laughs> that would be and amazing. Little pieces tied in to loop the, them all together. The tale of a guy who sometimes does a fake New Zealand accent and sometimes. <laughs> um, so briefly before we got on air, you were mentioning uh, when you started on Banshee. I think uh, this will be a fun uh, uh, thing for Conroy to hear. What were your first like uh, two gigs on Banshee? Were the first two projects you had to handle? When uh, when I was called, you know, Greg Utanis had and I had a phone conversation, and uh, I remember him saying, uh, "Are you on board?" And I says, "Yeah, I'm on board, absolutely." And he, uh, I started thinking about. It. I go, "Hey, uh, Greg, some people say I'm a little sick and twisted. Do you really want me to go there?" <laughs> and he goes, "Absolutely." And that's when I knew it was on. So. Um, so the first episode that, um, I came in on was episode three and they didn't shoot in order, which was the MMA fighter. <laughs> you might've heard us talk about this on this episode countless times yeah. previously, but that's our, that's when you lock into loving the show. Episode is that fight. three, the breaking of the fingers is. Yeah. The webbing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't break fingers. Let's web them like rip between, you know, his <laughs> two fingers apart. And just split them down the middle. <laughs> um, but that was the first one. And um, that was actually OC's first episode as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, coming in and I was like, okay, got to make a point. Got to make a mark, you know. And that was the fight. 
And, and the thing I like about that fight, too, uh, that really turned me on as a fan was the length of the fight. It was really long. And sort of a they live uh, sort of like. Like, how could this still be going on? Right. Like, how, And there's just people there. No one, like, no one getting involved. They're all and I'm horrified. just like, this, this is like minute seven. And that's what like, that's so awesome. But that to me was also the first time where I was like, oh, I get it. He's supposed to be able to just get his ass kicked and then keep coming back yeah. right? <laughs> and there's a lot of thought that goes into putting a sequence together because um if you don't if it doesn't fit the character if it doesn't fit the story then it's just random acts of violence and um we really wanted to make it you know stand out and i created the fight that one was half in the ring we started in the ring which is you know um the MMA's fighters world or his, his arena. Territory. So um when Hood was in there, he followed he, he followed suit in there and was getting his ass handed to him. But once he gets knocked out of the ring, now it's Hood's domain. There's no rules. And uh so we tried to play on that point and just start to, you know, pick apart the MMA fighter from there, from glass being bottle being broken on him to breaking his arms. Just, to this is Hood's territory now where there's no rules and the only rule is to live. There's no, rules. there's no rules in MMA though, is there? there there's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> you can't elbow strike downwards, you can't bite, and you have to avoid the balls. <laughs> That's like about it though. <laughs> and if one hand's touching the ground, they can't kick him in the head. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and then Hood proceeds to, we, we sort of t- talked about it a little bit, but Rip the fingers apart at the webbing, like ripping them apart as if they're like chick, like chicken wings. Absolutely, and that is taking out the MMA fighter's weapon, which like that's what he uses, and then Hood takes it out. And then I'm assuming if you jumped on at episode three, and we after talking to OC, we sort of know the order in which the show was shot. Does that mean you were around for the albino fight then as well? Yeah, that was the second big set piece from <laughs> your two uh, first set pieces are the two best parts of season one that's so exciting um, so <laughs> that was uh interesting because when we i know when oc uh, did the interview he said that it was extremely hot that day so you know taking into account not only the actors but the crew it needed to be moved inside and um so everything kind of shifted on us and we weren't shooting at our typical location we were in south carolina at the time and uh we needed to move everything inside and change the aspect of everything so you were just kind of shifting on the fly at that point (laughs) absolutely yeah and um that one was an interesting one because i remember reading the pages it was that was scripted that the albino gets his his junk cut off (laughs) and i'm like okay how do we top this i mean this is and then going through my head is like how long can you bleed out from your genitals yeah <laughs> so we're like oh he's got to pull his pants up so that, that. i think i think i said this before but i often show scenes from various things to my writers when i'm working in a writer's room and i was showing and, and this is what always happens i was showing that scene to them and it was just at the point where he gets his dick cut off and it's on the floor <laughs> when the non-writing executive producer comes in who thinks that we're just a bunch of lazy fuck-ups. And he's like, oh, this is what you guys do all day? And I was like, Watching turn it off, turn it off. Like, Because he didn't really see what was on the screen. You know? he, he didn't see that it was a, a an giant albino penis. dong. Yeah. <laughs> so you, we have a dick on the floor, uh, albino uh, uh, 
a jacked albino bleeding out of his crotch, and you we, you need a way to top that to end the fight. Yeah. yeah, we gouge his eyes out, or you know, he's bleeding from the eyes, and then I'm like, okay, something's got to top it. And you know, I think one thing that really stands out in s- cinema history for a lot of us is American History X. So oh, I'm like, yeah. okay, well, how do we do some version of curbing? Um, and I'm like, well, there's weights there. I go, I talk to the um, the props department. Can you get me a 45 pound plate that's we can use safely and um you know as you say it's a collaborative effort and you know taking that 45 pound plate and rolling that bar under him and doing it in front of everybody to make that point and just curb him from there and we actually shot the whole thing and i remember tropper walking in and goes oh my god this is disgusting <laughs> and i was like that's oh, when you yes. knew you were winning mission yeah. accomplished yeah <laughs> yeah because chopper so. saying it's disgusting does, is not a dig that's right, a, right. thank you yeah. <laughs> uh so let's let's keep go- let's talk a little bit about stuff that happens in episode seven that isn't necessarily stunt coordinated but for those listening that want to hear our opinions on big thing happened this episode that was sort of upset me to be honest fucking Cruz being killed by Burton. That was one of the to me that felt like, felt like an homage to Psycho. Right, 100%. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she gets in, she starts showering, they show, show the drain, they pre-show the blood going down right. the drain. Uh, and then Burton appears. <laughs> I also I also love that shot, not 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 because she was naked, but when she's in the shower and it's very uh, foggy, yeah. and then you can see her very clearly in the mirror in the bathroom mirror behind. I just thought that was a cool way to shoot that. It's such know? a cool way to shoot, but I guess that means we're not getting the cruise uh, rematch, the rematch against no. Carrie that we all wanted. Uh, <laughs> what? That's a great question. When you're choreographing fights, the character obviously they all have different they all have different styles of fighting. It seems as though. The uh, the women are using more like those leg takedown type uh, style. Especially Cruz. Especially seems. Cruz is doing like exclusively like flying arm bars and flying whatever that's called the lariat where you wrap Figure your like four leg lock or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So d- flying arm bars. is there like a little behind the behind the scenes thing of like oh this is Burton fights in this style when we choreograph because. Burton clearly knows martial arts. You know, Cruz carries certainly no martial arts. Um, Hood maybe does, but or he just he's just a brawler. Oh, he's just a brawler. Like, like he's so, a survivor. I yeah, mean, he's fifteen years in prison, and yeah. then they go to the backstory of he's right. You, ex-military. And yeah, you're like okay. Well, we start shifting the character. You can build Hood out to be like Batman. Like it's just like his background is so extensive. You're like I guess. He well, can I liked know. one thing they said in this episode, which gave us even more background on him, which I guess makes sense in retrospect. But he was like, I was an infiltration specialist. Yes, <laughs> it's like oh, is that what you were? Yeah. Like he's just like just like he's had hood is i think by the show's uh logic 78 years old <laughs> he's done he's had like four lifetimes he's been married to carrie had a had a child with them also was in prison also was in the cia also was whatever he was before that killed his dad potentially it's so exciting uh so i'm sorry let's get back to that question though um so is there like when you guys are choreo, choreo- like i'm sure the stunt doubles of these people are specific styles of they notice fight in a certain way or something to read. Like, they do some some are, but a lot of it is like us trying to create something that's gonna be carried through the season. Like you know, what or, fits or, the character exactly? Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, being um, uh, Cruz was you know supposedly a 
in the police force, yeah, we took the liberty of using um, some some jujitsu with her, yeah. you know, and um, a good example was um, with Trieste, who you know she used the PR twenty four when right. she you know had the fight with her. That's the baton, ex, right? Yeah, the yeah, ex husband. Yeah. So we tried to put different elements in there that um, you know ties things together. I think in the the porn set she cuffs the guy to uh, Cruz uh, does the um, oh, arm right. bar on him and then cuffs him you know so we try to tie those pieces in there um, to give it a little bit of extra life um, right it's part of the it's another layer of the character exactly because like Hoon uh, Job clearly knows that's not his strong suit but he clearly knows some hand to hand combat it's it's weird because um, I mean, everybody, I, everybody in Banshee knows some sort of hand-to-hand yeah, combat. Exactly. They have some sort of extensive training, or at least they could take several shots to the grill. And I kept saying, hey, you got to write more action for Hoon. you got to write more action for Hoon. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, but uh, each person, yeah, has some sort of style or um, goes towards the character. Like I said, it has to help tell the story or propel the story Can, forward. F- truly. I'm, we're genuinely curious about that. Can we speak a little bit to that? Like, is Burton like a, we're clearly doing some sort of Kung Fu with Burton or is there something that's, cause it's, he does, cause, uh, Maddie will do like brutality, but also he'll still have spinning kicks or, you know, right, like, right. uh, extensive locks. I, and, I really liked the, the Burton, the big Burton scene in this episode. Oh yeah, we had to talk about because it felt a little bit like a cheat, but in a very cool way, where he was fighting like nine guys, <laughs> and you're just like, no way! And the camera just pans around so you don't see anything. <laughs> you just hear all this horrible noise, and then we come back and they're all fucking dead. Yeah, and he's got like a little blood on him, and he's got two <laughs> two pieces of the chair. So he like. <laughs> Just used what he had at hand and killed everybody. He's, we do see him smash the first chair on someone. Then you assume he keeps the legs in his hands right. like Kali sticks. Because like I feel like I feel like if you saw that ha- if you saw that actually happen, it would be very hard to do it in a convincing way that a guy like that could really yeah. beat you know nine guys or whatever. We and- were actually excited to do it. <laughs> of course, and that's your guys. That's over. It. That's I a week like, of overtime. <laughs> <laughs> We're all making extra money this week. Uh, no, I, part of me was feeling like, okay, well, we've built Burton up to a certain point, especially with this Burton Nola fight, yeah. you know. And to, to, I don't want to cheat the audience, but at the same time, I understand from a filmatic standpoint that it does create. Sometimes, you know, your imagination takes you further than actually what comes across the screen. Even though I think we could have, you think you could have done it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 it was really effective for me. Like I, I, would, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I enjoyed it too. And I, and I, the only reason I enjoyed it, I think, on any other show, that moment would give you severe blue balls. But on Banshee, it's like you know you're gonna get fights, so it's okay that because that was just a cool. It, it was reminiscent of for me, and, and this is, uh, but like the Fargo ep- season one when Billy Bob goes through the building and and you, you just kill, hear all the noise, you just hear the noise, and of the him body killing comes out the window, a, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And that was like a really cool moment. It's like you get to use your imagination a little Absolutely. bit in right. a very real situation, right? And yeah. when Adam came to me and said, "Oh, I think we're gonna go this route with it," I was like. Okay, I understand, you know, and like I said, you know, in your imagination, sometimes, and each person's imagination's different, so it can even take you further yeah. in each person's mind, so. Yeah, my um, shit was twisted. What I imagined was <laughs> twisted. 
<laughs> straight up what I imagined was twisted. Uh, what were some other great moments from episode seven that you? I really liked uh, Brock and Hood getting their like heart to heart in. Well, in that prison. was the scene that that uh, Tropper and and Targum were both talking about earlier. You know, much yeah. earlier about how oh we have this. For the first time, we have this like eight-minute scene. I think it's even longer than that. It might even be nine minutes. Where it's just dialogue. Where it's just dialogue between these two guys. <laughs> right, and that's not something that happens on Banshee for any extended period. It, going eight minutes of dialogue without someone's head getting cut off is... And it was, it, it was a great scene because it was a great scene for Hood to finally open up about his whole backstory. Yeah. But I, I loved Brock's whole journey through the course of the scene of like, I was never the sheriff I wanted to be. Yeah. And then, you know, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, he's like, you fucking... <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> you weren't a cop? Yeah. You fucking made me... I, I listened to you like you were my boss. Right. <laughs> like, I killed somebody for you. Yeah. The ultimate bamboozle. Yeah. Oh, also love earlier on, let's back up, backpedal a little bit, to uh, Brock seeing uh, Job. Yeah, we actually met. We fought some Ukrainian gangsters. Right. I fought some Ukrainian gangsters, great, motherfucker. I, I love that scene, too, just because of the Job... Uh, Sugar stuff. Yeah, in more that Job scene, Sugar you know? moments too. He's uh, like, I don't know what you just said, but I love hearing you say it. Yeah. <laughs> and even go get. Just, where's my computer? It's in the yeah. same plot. It always was. It's not going to fetch itself. <laughs> no, you think like you think Sugar's being so kind right. that moment, and Job is still like, go get that shit. Right. <laughs> Job's back. Yeah. Oh man, nothing makes me. We talked about it for. Let's talk about last week real quick. We said like, I can't wait for Job to put on women's clothes Uh because you know he's like back at full strength and then this episode we see him at even he's gone full strength above and beyond he tracks down the fucking hacker he's got his crazy eyebrow paint on (laughs) yeah he's in full uh i I don't want to say geisha mode but because i think that makes me racist why because i'm asian (laughs) yeah i don't want to say geisha in front of marcus (laughs) is what i'm saying (laughs) but that moment when he fucking is like you think he's still a little shaky, you're worried about him, and then you see him go out for that revenge against the guy, whatever that computer, the other hacker's right. name is, and then he makes the other hacker Job. So now everybody's going to be after that guy. That's so, and and uh, apparently also stole twenty eight million dollars from him. <laughs> Job is like Job is char- Job's character is like Superman. It's like he can do things that don't you don't you don't even see it on air. <laughs> Later on, you realize, yeah, Job. Got this phone, traced the calls, fucking hacked the mainframe, took $28 million from a sw- Cayman bank account. Oh, and by the way, the People's Republic of China and <laughs> the United States of America and various terrorist groups from all over the world are going to be after what you. What was the one? We- he said one <laughs> weird terrorist group name in there because he was like, the- it was he was like the People's Republic of China, Bogo Haram. You know, it was like something like <laughs> he slid in one that was like sort of topical. It was really like a weird moment. Where he- <laughs> I feel like he truly said like it wasn't Boko Haram, but it was some sort uh-huh. of organization uh, on that level where you're like the Khmer Rouge you know, the Symbionese Liberation <laughs> Army yeah. um, the Bader Meinhof gang <laughs> Bader Meinhof that's awesome I just watched Munich the other night so uh-huh. that's fresh fresh in my mind they mention it in that uh, well, so uh, Marcus back to you for a little, what, were, what were some of the favorite things you got to do on set or Maybe you learned something new by you know you brought in a flamethrower guy to go to talk about it to work on that or or um, any specific stunts you yourself got to do that were particularly exciting or um, me for I was more behind the camera on this um, yeah there's a couple times we were on camera for, for the shootout um, 
and then I think in oh were the, you were you one of uh, Fat Sow's cronies Fat Sow's yeah. cronies yeah then, that's all. They, they mentioned I was like they, they mentioned that they were having a hard time tracking down Asian guys in Pittsburgh and they were like well what about the stunt <laughs> there's two of them put them in there <laughs> we need them and then plus we played in uh, the episode 10 of season 2 when they come to look for Fat Al so, oh yeah that's awesome um but um, for me, it's just collaborating with everyone, you know, and uh, and trying to come up with something unique and special, and especially when you get the chance to shoot and direct. So um, yeah, you were mentioning that you got to direct some action sequences. And yeah. Stuff. So um, I think the first one was in episode one, uh, part of the Kerry Olick fight when they fought in the in, in the, the barn bathroom oh, okay. section is where I kind of put it together. And got to shoot that stuff. So I think that was like a, I don't know, I want to say that was like a 16-hour day. Because um, they were shooting right next door to us. So Greg would shoot, we shot majority of the fight. And he goes, okay, you're going to shoot this section here. So we'd have to wait till um, he was they, ready. they stopped rolling on that uh, one. And then uh, we would roll on ours. And it was like, go, 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 go. It was like a race back and forth. Well, Who's going to roll feels- in the episode, it feels like a 16-hour day, too. <laughs> yeah, right. It is brutally an long. unbelievably <laughs> long fight. Like, they keep cutting back to them fighting. Right. And it's, it's funny because Greg said, I want to top, you know, um, the uh, the fight in True Romance. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Gandolfini. okay. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's a, you know, tough act to beat. And hopefully the audience feels that we, you know, we did it or came close to it. You did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the first one. And uh, the other one was, I think, the end of um, end of season two. There was the fight with Chayton. Um, and that was going into season three where they're fighting in the pit. And Greg gave me the free reins to shoot that. And I was was awesome but, yeah you're uh, shooting blood sport at that moment you're yeah. shooting fucking mortal Kombat. you Absolutely. got that yeah that's yeah. fucking awesome that was that was an exciting day that was the one that was taking place in new orleans correct yeah uh-huh. uh south fangs hangout or <laughs> so um and this past season you know they got got to shoot a lot too which was great and anything that you know adam's like anything that's action we want you to shoot and you know for the most part that happened you know we did a sequence where they're chasing um chasing the computer hacker through the streets oh that oneer yeah and it, it, ending with that fucking with the suv that is a fucking great moment so it was yeah. like how do we you know how do we make something exciting happen with this and at first fat Al was driving i'm like well, fat Al wouldn't be driving let one of his he has a driver yeah exactly yeah and i let him open the door and take him out yeah that's a great that's a fun moment that's that's you know something that like it's not written but it's like okay well let's let's try to find a way to put a capper to this whole this whole uh foot chase oh yeah and um yeah, so we ended we're, for those listening, we're talking about when going through the subway car when they bust him at the college uh, and they and chase the, him down and the street in that so, classic way of like running in between cars and yeah. jumping over the hood and then and, through <laughs> the subway into the whatever the metro or whatever through the doors back b- out b- back out and then that, seeing that fucking SUV like in, in the long shot coming up is just such an awesome moment. You're like, what is that guy's driving fast? Also, <laughs> get in, dink. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Now, so, I ha- I have a flip side to that question because I know when I when I do stuff 
sometimes I'll pitch a joke that I get really attached to mm-hmm. and it doesn't get in. And I'm like kind of bummed when that happens sometimes. So was there stuff ever that you felt like, oh, this is really something I really like. And then it didn't, didn't make the cut. It didn't make the cut or it ended up not working out even, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I think we all get attached, like you said, to your work. I mean, that's part of your creativity. But again, you have to look at the overall picture and the overall picture needs to serve the betterment of the, the, the overall project. picture yeah. is that i'm right <laughs> that's what i was trying to say but, not... <laughs> um, but you know i think after collaborating with with each other and going okay you know, understand you know and that's part of the magic of making you know cinema is that we get to collaborate and maybe your idea is great at one moment but it might not fit for the project so you know move on and Find the next one you're going to get in there. Yeah, you're like, I'll so. get that pool ball. I'll get that pool ball in a dish rag in a later scene. What about my Shell Silverstein reference here? <laughs> I'll hold on to this for my next writing job. <laughs> um, so what? What? What's up? What's next for you now that the show's over? Are you? Uh, I guess before we get into that, I'm curious about. Like the hierarchy of the stunt world has worked, as you said. Like you're not really on. So are there there's stunt people who are doing stunts, and then there's like I guess the stunt coordinator who's sort of overseeing that department and sort of directing the action. But is are there other elements to the stunt team? I'm just so curious about this world. Um, I think each project's unique, and and they can bring on uh, different people to yeah. fulfill the. Like, do you have a fight needs? choreographer too, or are you is that you? Um, yeah. It was kind of. As the seasons kind of go go on after, um, I brought in people to help out, and each person brings a certain element to the table, and that helped too to take off a lot of the stress. Because if you're in meetings and whatnot, uh, you can go guys start this, and then I'll take a look at it, and we'll make tweaks from there. Mm-hmm. So um, it became a real collaborative effort towards the end. Um, and now, uh, when you say people have different expertise. Is that sort? I'm I'm just know nothing about this world, and it excites me so much. Is it like, um, oh, my friend Danny is he's off on this. He's he's done freelancing with his other gig. He's really good with just all out brawl fist fights. Or like, oh, I got my Kali stick fighting guy. He's actually free because we have all these uh, carry security baton moments. It's like, do you bring in people like that with different expertises or like? Yeah, I do, um, and that helps too to kind of change the flavor as we go along as well yeah um but the the team that was assembled started basically got together um season three and stuck stuck around for four and you know um and really kind of carried out that flavor so to the end of the season um um and you you enjoy the directing of the actions because my favorite movie of the last couple years is john wick and i learned that the stunt and fight guys from the Matrix are the ones who directed that movie, and the movie is truly well directed. And I feel like that we might see a push in that direction for like real action heads to yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, a lot of times I think it's coming up with the idea, but capturing or, and choreographing the idea or coming up with it, shooting it, capturing it, you know, and then the missing product is to edit because a mm-hmm. lot of times you look at a product. And it's jumping around and you can't follow the action. I and hate that, that. That was why we did the previses too, because it was a roadmap, you know, to say, hey, this is, you know, an idea of how you want to go about it. And Banshee has a certain element of the way they edit and it's kind of jumpy and, and cutty. So uh, a lot of times you watch the, the product and you go, well, 
we miss we're missing something but it's just the style that yeah like i want to see this guy land and and hit the coffee table whereas maybe an editor who doesn't fully understand the fight sequencing would be like but this looks great you know like some 90s action movies the van damme like triple punch edit sort of started to ruin like and that was the first step and then it got into like the paul greengrass-esque action of like the Jason Bourne like quick cuts and jumping around and you're like trying to sort out and then when you watch a movie like John Wick or and uh, Banshee when you see the action play out you're like oh no this is what I like because this lends it to the brutality it makes it actually less cinematic but more raw like watching a guy take a punch and get back up all in one frame is uh, all in one shot is especially so especially if you have actors that can carry out when you know um, make a cut to further the the storytelling yeah. Um, don't make a cut just to, to hide jar. Something. Yeah, or hide <laughs> it. Yeah. So that was kind of like the gist of what we were trying to go for is if your actor can do it, stay wide. Let's see it. You know, because it's. Right. I guess that's part of the reason why you don't have to go uh, such intense cutting is because there's not a lot of doubling. Like these people are doing a lot of their fights. Uh, the actors are doing a lot of their fights. So you want You get the opportunity to keep it. But when you're, you know, shooting and the actor is not in, in this moment, you have to cut around their face or their frame or their body or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> or it needs to be faster or, you know, and there's a certain pacing that we try to create too with the action sequences. Um, because that just like dialogue has a pace to it. So we wanted to create that. And that, sometimes changes when you start cutting and it changes the pace too. yeah some of the fights are a little longer like a longer frame like whatever the story whatever the story needs or that fight in that moment yeah. needs yeah so. um, this question is from both Sean and I what is the lowest level of physical capabilities do you think you could train someone to be <laughs> come across as a decent Keep, fighter keeping in mind that I stopped about seven times on the stairs on the way up here <laughs> yeah. keeping in mind that I'm just regaining my breath and composure <laughs> from walking up the stairs to the studio um, have you had to work with people who have like no physical capability no, that, I'm not saying we are well, there's quadriplegias a lot of <laughs> people that have two left feet and yeah. then you end up either they rise to the occasion um, they they listen and they take well to the direction, and that usually is the case. Or you end up having to double them, you know. Yeah. And um, get a little get a little creative. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's nothing against you know them because it's at the same time you got you know very limited amount of time to work with people and to get yeah. them up to speed to make them look like you know they're trained killers, and uh, so. A lot of times we have to work around, you know, the limitations. And they haven't been studying 14 martial arts their right. entire life. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, I did a little stage combat in <laughs> college. <laughs> or we try to take the, the, the things that are um, the the hindrance to them and make them that they're part of their weakness in in the sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, it's taking the strengths, using their strengths, but finding the weakness and maybe putting that into the sequence to make something a little bit special and, and unique to it and without you know, making it look like, hey, um, this is their their weak point. We just <laughs> Yeah, we it's it like in. this guy is not that fast, but he's big, so we'll have him just like a bear hug a bunch of guys <laughs> in a row. <laughs> which 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 has happened in the in in with the um Yeah with the, the Amish guy. Yeah. yeah. The Amish teacher. Oh right, right, right. The His huge... whole thing was just that he was a giant Smothered. guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love oh man, I it's it's a throwback to like action movies and video games, like just like 
building a character and including their fighting capabilities in their character. Like Chun-Li uses her legs, you know, or like, uh, oh, this guy's got the most dangerous hands in the world. Like, I love all that stuff. That's so, what's, wait, what's Proctor's? Have you choreographed any of Proctor's fights? Because there's sequences where he's working on the, the, the wooden Kung dummy. Fu dummy. Yeah. That but, was, uh, that was uh, another thing that we had to work around is because it was established that he was a certain, certain characters had certain traits to them and one was that it, he had training almost like a wing chun training yeah. and it was and you know we talked to to Oric about it and he's like i hate this thing you know <laughs> and so i was like okay let's break this thing <laughs> he, he really he really speaks his mind yeah <laughs> we met Ulrich on one occasion and he uh Within he's a very 30 frank seconds. gentleman <laughs> yeah <laughs> In 30 seconds, he was talking to us about cock rings. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, all right. Yeah. So, because uh, we don't see him do it much more, uh, much hand to hand past season one. We do see him doing a lot of violence on people. <laughs> yeah. He, like in this episode, and it's like, this is what he does all the time now is the guy is lying on the ground, clearly having been beaten and having a swastika carved into his chest. And that's when Ulrich decides to just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> that just reminded me, great, back to episode seven, story points. The Nazis, the, the, the white supremacists have stepped up their game and now they've, they're asking for the ire. Well, of- that, that scene with Calvin in the bathroom and then walking through the office to me, again, that felt very much like a, like a fight, fight club, club. Kind yeah, of thing, it was like know? Ed Norton and fight. And and now you say that I felt like I felt in a little bit of the moment, but you saying that Chris Coy, very like, Ed Norton. Yeah, he does. He looks like Ed Norton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does look like Ed Norton. And Ed Norton, um, American History X. Like there's like that weird. Mm-hmm. And when he walks out of that bathroom shirtless with his swastika tattoo covered yeah. in blood, I was like, holy <laughs> shit! And just casually strolls through the office. That's so banshee, though, for them to have a fantasy moment where he beats the shit out of the the boss, and you're right. like, oh, that's kind of made weird. that moment so much more effective, right? Now he, he just loses his he mind acts on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's losing his control, right? And now we're gonna see him go head to head with either his brother or uh, or not Ulrich, um, Proctor uh-huh. or Burton. There's so much shit that's about to go down the the serial killer is dead is maybe dead by the way i, I thought we were gonna have a john snow moment i, I think that was <laughs> i think that was intentional though like i feel like i feel like, like they watched oh, nope fake out you know <laughs> they must have added that after watching episode two of game of thrones of this season like it's such a good well, another, fuck you to game another of thrones. thing in the episode that felt like a, again an homage in a good way to was the Silence of the Lambs thing where we think they're going into the basement. Right. We think he's yeah, going to be yeah. on the other side of the door. Yeah, and they and play that. And it's a total fake out of like, nope, they're nope, in the wrong they're place. They're in a different part of the basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're in a different basement. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that uh, that was... And we also have Carrie threaten the DA in this episode too. Which That is, was... I was like, she really is Batman at this right. point. She's know? just appearing out of nowhere. She's like, right. pack up your shit and get out of town. <laughs> yeah. I don't have hockey pads. Right. <laughs> it's so funny because I remember that night too. They're like, go go rehearse with uh, Ivana and um, I forgot the DA's name, but uh, she's playing the ukulele and then, okay, Carrie, you know, or Ivana, we got to go practice this choking sequence. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Bit of a switch. Yeah. Put down your ukulele. It's time to choke a stranger. <laughs> so we're leading into episode eight now. So this is episode eight is the finale. I'm assuming it's. I heard it's a little longer. Uh, rumor has it that it's like ninety minutes. Hey, I hope it's three hours. Uh, yeah, I hope it's. Yeah, I hope it's fucking a two VHS set. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and. Where so the what are we looking forward to in episode eight? We uh, well clearly the FBI agent series finale is is having sort of a breakdown. You know she she came back like I think that was that she was really scared for the first time in a long time. right and she was being doing her uh, uh, doing her wise ass cover up trying to hide it yeah but she was truly rattled. Um, so then she came in and beat the shit out of something with a pool cue yeah. and then smoked crack, of course. <laughs> As one is wont to um, do. So I don't know how... And and it seems like there's still something between her and, and Hood because yeah. Hood was like, if you hurt her in any way, I'm going to kill you. Right. They, um, they're, they're, those are two lost souls connecting. Those right. are two, each with their own issues. We're, we're looking forward to Carrie... Carrie has officially raised the ire of Proctor's people. They're but. certainly... They're coming have at some each kind other. Of confrontation. And the can we talk about the psychologist, the psychiatrist from Dexter, the guy from Dexter? Guy's great. Guys, he's such. I, I'm sorry, I don't know your name right now, bud, but you're so good. And that <laughs> moment when you go, you gotta fix what's wrong. I'm like, that's the most banshee shit ever. It. Yeah, finish it. <laughs> It's the psychiatrist like, you want to get your kids back? All of a sudden, he's not a doctor anymore. He's like, no, you need to finish this. I know. He's like, but the father inside me, I'm like, of course, this guy is probably a fucking Green Beret. Like, right. Everyone in Banshee has is like an insane uh, training. Um, so Carrie's going after Proctor. Proctor's going after Carrie slash also the white supremacists. The white supremacists are going after Proctor slash uh, the other bunker. Other bunker is going after his brother to protect his brother's wife, who he's fucking. <laughs> also, Proctor got all the something or others from the local airfield, so somebody's coming to town. From right, so the cartel, the cartel is coming yeah. into town. Uh, so we're gonna see the fucking cartel. So everything is coming to a head at Banshee. I could uh, tell you guys, but that <laughs> no, would be no, no fun. <laughs> That would be great if we said all that and we're like, and so here's what happens. We just spoil it all. And hopefully Dave is going to kill somebody else. Dave gets second blood. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to have to see Burton fight someone. It mm-hmm. could be, there's so many fights that you we've been brewing. Like we want to see Hood Proctor or Hood Burton or Carrie Proctor or Carrie Bro- uh, Burton. Carrie Hood. Uh, That'd Carrie, be a twist. Carrie versus Hood while Proctor watches. Um Brock has to Naked. fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Six topless female stunt women sitting in the back just hanging out. <laughs> so Arians versus cartel versus the police department versus the uh, ve- revenge crew. So I guess the Native Americans are kind of out of it at this point. I'm assuming and the Amish are not around anymore. The Amish are not. Yeah. I mean, we got to see how this all wraps up. <laughs> Marcus. Um, as we're ending here, what's up next for you? Anything you want to tell people to check out or, uh, or, or are you like us just waiting to hear what the next thing is? (laughs) Waiting for that phone to ring. You know, I, we actually worked on a movie together. I looked at your IMDb page. No way. We didn't actually work together, but (laughs) I think it was probably like five or six years apart, but the onion movie, you had something to do with the onion movie. Yeah. I got hit by the cock puncher. Seagal. Oh, Seagal? Seagal? Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured that you were involved yeah. with Seagal somehow. Did that ratchet back when he's on the motorcycle? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because that... I was I was actually in that, but I feel like that movie was 
kind of a disaster in some ways. And it was like famously a clusterfuck, right? And I, I feel like I shot my thing in like 2002, or it was while I still lived in New York, <laughs> and the movie didn't come out till 2008. So yeah. <laughs> it could have been anywhere in between. So you guys are famously coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> I loved when we shared a table we, we in the cafeteria. Worked, yeah. <laughs> we each worked one day, six years yeah, apart right. on the same movie. We'll have that bond forever. <laughs> Our Onion movie t-shirts. Oh, that's such a fun, small world thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, is there anything lined up, Marcus? Anything we want to tell the listeners to go check out? There's some irons in the fire, but nothing greenlit right yeah. now. So. Or, or anything, any other recent project of yours, a movie that you worked on that you were excited about, or a fight that we should YouTube or something that you really uh, we just loved? just got off of Baywatch. Um, but uh, back and, you know, <laughs> for the next one, like, hey, you guys got any work? <laughs> uh, well, trust me when I say if I, I, I want to be an action movie star so much worse, <laughs> I, I got to do some self-work first before I can <laughs> hire anyone. No, but check out the website, Controlled Chaos. Controlled Chaos? Is that you guys? Yeah. Oh, yes. Check it out, Controlled Chaos. If you're looking for stunt people or want to watch some dope-ass previses, <laughs> we, know, we know who has it there. Marcus, thanks so much for joining us. Sean Conroy, anything you want to plug? Just Mr. Pickles, Long Show, Long Shot Podcast. At Sean Conroy on Twitter. You can get all the information there. Also, John is going to do our podcast tonight. Tonight we're recording it. The Long Shot, which will come out next Wednesday. So we have the timeline is so screwy. This is yeah. like episode one of Banshee of this season. Seven months later, the Long Shot will come out six months earlier. Um, I, as always, I'm at John Gabris on Twitter. Tweet at us uh, with your thoughts on episode seven. And tweet at all four of us, Sean Clements and Ben Rogers, too, with your predictions for episode eight or what you want, what you're looking forward to for episode eight. Because this is it. This is it, people. This is the that's end of I was the show. I ask you. What fight do you guys want to see or what climax do you want to see? Oh, that's a great question. There's so many people I want to see <laughs> fight. But I'd like to see Brock fight someone hand to hand. I like to see Brock brawl with someone. Like but I don't see anyone besides Proctor really working story wise. He had the naked women jumping on his back. Oh yeah, yeah. He did he did have a couple <laughs> good fights here. Uh he always managed to be fighting he around he topless women. <laughs> Matt Servito's characters yeah. constantly fighting around topless women for some reason. <laughs> we kinda did that one on purpose too. I was like, hey let's have the naked girl jump on his back and put him in a choke. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's like, thank you. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, you'll be the woman that jumps on my back topless and starts choking me. <laughs> um, at, as always, so tweet at us with your predictions for the things you're looking forward to for episode eight. Uh, rate me five stars in the comments and then uh, roast. rate me five stars and then roast me on iTunes and I'll read it out loud on the non-Banshee episodes. Not going to put Banshee talent and people through this. Um, thank also- you. Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, hey, no problem, Sean. <laughs> Also, um, a t-shirt store about to be up. Get excited for that. Um, I'll, I'll be posting. I'll be tweeting links for that. And, guys, this is the end of the Banshee era here. So we have one more Banshee episode left. So for you fans of these Banshee episodes, get pumped. For you people who hate these Banshee episodes and just want to hear me talk about Taco Bell, guess what? It's almost over. And also, just don't listen. It's really that easy. Come on, right in for the Banshee feature. Yeah, let's go. Let's get enough people. Let's get the signatures. Let's get the petition going for the Banshee feature so me, Conroy, Clements, and Rogers could be sprayed down with bullets in the opening yes. scene. <laughs> so me and Conroy can play two fucking meth head hicks. Hillbillies. That, hillbillies yeah. that get a fucking shotgun under the neck. <laughs> 
That was that was something I really liked too. Was uh, the the Nazis having like one of the Nazis has like a weird Southern accent, <laughs> even though they're in Pennsylvania. Yeah, he's a pencil tucky guy. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> As always, thanks for listening, shitheads. Marcus Young, check out controlledchaos.com for, uh, or look up Controlled Chaos. Whatever. I'm trying to even think what my Twitter account is. <laughs> so, you're, so you're real into Twitter, I guess. <laughs> like uh, my Mark ENT, I think. <laughs> my Mark ENT. Check him out. If not, tweet at whoever that guy is. He's an ears, nose, and throat doctor. Maybe he can help you out. <laughs> Later, shitheads. Yo, Mark. That was a HeadGum Podcast.